So here's an interesting part, right, about John, is, as we picked up last week. As, you know, you know um, Sam, Sam preached last week, and we, we talk about the, um, the entry into Jerusalem. So that marks the last week of Jesus' life on earth, which if you flip ahead, you notice that's almost half the book of John deals with Jesus' last week on earth. So I, I find that, I always, I always find that interesting. You, you get through the first 11 chapters, 11, 12 chapters, and then the last little bit is all, almost half of the book of John is, is about the last week of Jesus' life. And so, so that's, I mean, just, just remember, everything that happens from now until we end this sermon series happens in seven days. Um, and so it, it is important for us to, to, I think, sometimes to have that perspective, and I think sometimes we miss that perspective, and we don't think about that. So... Um, so let's just pick up uh, where we, where we uh, left off. We'll be picking up in uh, 1220. Um, it says, Now among those who went up to worship at the feast were some Greeks. So these came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and asked him, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip went and told Andrew. Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus. And Jesus answered them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Whoever loves his life loses it. And whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. The crowd that stood there and heard it said that it thundered. Others said an angel has spoken to him. Jesus answered, this voice has come for your sake, not for mine. Now is the judgment of the world. Now will the ruler of this world be cast out. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He said this to show by what kind of death he was going to die. So the crowd answered him, We have heard from the law that Christ remains forever. How can you say that the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is the Son of Man? So Jesus said to them, The light is among you for a little while longer. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. The one who walks in the darkness does not know where he is going. While you have the light, believe in the light, that you may become sons of life, of light. When Jesus said these things, he departed and hid himself from them. Though he had done so many signs before them, they still did not believe in him. So that the word spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. Lord, who has believed what he heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Therefore, they could not believe. For again, Isaiah said, he has blinded their eyes and hardened their heart, lest they see with their eyes and understand with their heart in turn. And I would heal them. Isaiah said these things because he saw his glory and spoke of him. Nevertheless, many, even of the authorities, believed in him. But for fear of the Pharisees, they did not confess it, so that they would not be put out of the synagogue. For they loved the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. So we see as Jesus begins already talking about his death here. He's, he's talking about his death. He's saying, hey, listen... The Son of Man must be lifted up. And then he goes on to say that he's, he's explaining how he is to die. It's also interesting that the Greeks come, and really for the first time, 
Um, with the exception of the Samaritans, Jesus is actually ministering and, and involved with non-Jews. And I, and I think it, it's important because it marks a time uh, of a transition of ministry here um, where his death becomes uh, important for all people and becomes the, the only way that we have access to God. So the question I think that we can ask here is what, how are we supposed to respond to the death of Jesus? I mean, how are we supposed to respond? If Jesus makes such a big deal out of it here, how are we supposed to respond to it? I think we have, we have three ways that I think we can, we can look at in this passage, and then we have a way that we probably shouldn't respond. So the first thing that we do is we emulate it. We emulate the death of Jesus. Well, hold on a second here. What do we even mean by that? Well, what does he say? He says, whoever loves his life will lose it, but whoever hates his life in this life, in this world, will gain it. Well, what does that even mean? Man, that's, what, what does that, what do I even mean by that? Well, let's, let's try it. He says, he says, whoever loves his life. So the idea is that Jesus gave his life, so we must do it also. I think we have this weird idea in the church. Um, I don't necessarily mean our church. I mean, I think believers in general struggle with this. I, I, I know that um, Francis Chan... Uh, as well as David Platts, as well as uh, Matt Chandler, have all written books about this, is that we have this idea that we live our lives and we fit God in where we can. You know what I mean? Well, I got to pick my college. I got to find my career. I got to make money. I got to do this. I got to do this. And then we give God what's left over. Well, I don't really have time to go do that today. Well, you know, I, I have homework, so I can't really read my Bible today. Um, there's a funny, if you guys don't follow Babylon Bee, you really should. The guy's hilarious. Um, anyways, it's this, it's this website, and he gives um, satirical um, uh, articles um, that kind of poke fun at Christianity and even some other things. And so one of the articles that specifically, it says that seminary student discovers his Bible amongst this pile of textbooks. Um, and it's amazing how people thirst and discover and search for knowledge so hard, but somehow we lose Jesus in our, in our quest for knowledge, and our quest to desire more. See, I would argue that it doesn't matter how much doctrine you know, it doesn't matter how deeply that you learn, how much of the Bible you have memorized, if it doesn't transform your life, you've really just wasted your time. Um, no, 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 of course, you know, let's be honest here of, of everybody, in the, everybody in the room. I'm the last person to say doctrine's unimportant or doctrine doesn't matter. Or you shouldn't follow sound doctrine. And we all know I'm, I'm, that's, that's my thing. However, if your doctrine doesn't lead you to a deeper love for Christ and for people, then the doctrine isn't wrong. You're wrong. And, and, I, think, and I think that's something we, we, we oftentimes um, um, struggle with this. Is that means that we're, uh, we're to be in love with Jesus so much that we begin to look away from the things of this world. What do I mean by that? Well, I think a big chunk of it is how we, well, I think one of the biggest is how we manage our time, how we manage our priorities. I think, oh, I know, I know, um, 
that if we, if, if many of us viewed God in any kind of right way, our life would be absolutely transformed. What do you mean by that? Well, think about how much time we all spend on our phones. I mean, honestly, think about that for one minute. If we engaged human beings as much as we engage our screen, how could that transform? Because ultimately, it's the weirdest thing in the world, is it? Um, social media is designed that we might connect with one another, but really, it really just drives us further apart from, I mean, if we're honest with ourselves, um, we, 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 we're more obsessed with that than we, and we lose our ability to have conversations with normal human beings around us. And, and we, listen, it's great, um, and, and I love it because I get to keep up with um, my buddies I was in the Navy with that I don't get to see, my buddies back home that I don't ever get to see. I mean, I have one of my closest friends in the Navy is in England. There's no way we could keep in touch any other way besides um, through the internet. However, it's not the same thing. I mean, this is a guy who every Saturday during college football season would come over to our house and we'd, we'd sit around and we'd watch college football for 12 hours. By the way, that, that's really a thing. You can literally watch college football for like 12 hours on Saturdays. It's, it's amazing. Um, and we would, we would literally spend the entire day. At some point in the afternoon, his wife would show up with food for us and be like, hey, guys, I brought you some food, and then, like, play on my laptop or, or whatever, and was like, whatever. I mean, you know, I'm ha- my husband's happy he's hanging out with his buddies. Like, you know, I mean, it was, it was, it was, it was awesome. But, but talking to him over, over the Internet, it's not the same thing. It's, it's not the same thing. And, and, and I, th- I think we have to understand that. I, I think if we, if we as a people spend as much time in prayer and in God's word that we do surfing the internet, scrolling social media, watching TV, it would transform us. And I, and I believe and I know I, that, that's really what Jesus is getting at here is that oftentimes we love the things of this world so much that we abandon God. Think about this for a second. If you left your phone in your house, you'd go back for it, right? I mean, we all do. I, I do it all the time. I leave, I leave my phone here in my office because it charges, um, and I have a watch. Um, and then I get like I've gotten like halfway home. I've gotten like through the traffic by the casino and been like, oh crap, and had to like come back to get my phone because you're like this 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 is annoying. And then, of course, I get back. There's like ten texts from Sarah. She's like, why aren't you answering my text? And I'm like. It's because my phone's sitting on my desk. It's kind of hard to answer your text when I'm five miles away from my phone. But, and I wonder, I wonder how much God would transform each one of our lives if we long for the Word of God, like we long for entertainment. I mean, think about, I mean, and, and it's, it's carved out. So, so Jesus is saying that. How do I look? Look what Paul says in Galatians. He says, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Here's the thing that you have to understand. Your life does not belong to you. If you're a Christian, if you have placed your faith in Christ, if you have the hope of eternity in heaven, understand something this morning. Your life is not your own. 
But Eric, you don't understand. I, I can't do that much ministry. I have a life. You, no, you don't. Jesus bought your life. He paid for it. He owns it. Paul introduces himself in the letters as doulos, which means a slave. I'm a slave to Christ. Guys, listen, you are a slave to one thing or another. You're either a slave to sin and your flesh, or you're a slave to Christ. There's no in-between. If you say, well, I don't want to be a slave, well, that's, that's not a choice. You're a slave or you're a slave. Which one is it going to be today? And so when we say things, and, and when I hear people say this, and as, as part as I jump on my soapbox for a second, when people begin to talk about, oh man, you know, I wish I had more time to volunteer. I wish I had more time to, to, to give to people. I wish I had more time to give to my church. I mean, guys, can we be honest? We have that time. The problem is we all poorly manage our time. We do. We, we, we have tons of time. Now, is, is there a different degree to which everybody can do? Sure. But, but, but we poorly use our time in pursuit of things that are apart from what God would have us to do. Martin Luther. Now, now I'm going to be, let's, I would argue that many of us, um, if not all of us, um, do not do anything as important as start the Protestant Reformation. I, I would say uh, as far as priority and important things that we've all accomplished in life, I would say that many of us probably pale them to comparison to that. Um, and, and somebody asked him once, they said, they, he, he was talking, he said that he gets up every morning and he would pray for two hours. And, guy, and, and people would say, well, I don't, have I don't have that much time. I'm too busy to pray for two hours. And uh, Martin Luther, of course, in his witty way, responded, well, I'm so busy. That's why I, I need to pray for two hours. And man, if that's not convicting, um, I don't know what is. But, but I, I think we miss out on, this, on, 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 on all of this stuff. I think we, 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 we miss out on when, when Jesus says uh, to deny our life, to emulate who he is. We die to the things of this world. Think of the freedom that's in that. And I, I, I know that sounds, that sounds odd to say, hey, we're slaves, to say, hey, that we're, we're to serve Jesus. But think about the freedom that comes in that. What does most of our stress come from? It, it, it comes from running on the hamster wheel of trying to make more money so we can have more stuff, so we can have more debt that requires us to make more money, so we can have more stuff that accrues more debt. I mean, uh, or, or we go, well, man, I... Man, my neighbors, they, they have nicer things than I do. That guy has nice. I mean, you know, uh, but, but we, we get caught up in this thing, and, and, we, and we miss out. Think about with me, if you will, what if you began to think about the needs and the desires and the hearts of other people as much as you think about yourself? I mean, you know, everybody says whatever. I mean, guys, listen, we have a name for taking pictures of ourselves. They sell cameras so we can flip it around and take pictures of ourselves. So if you're going to tell me you're not self-centered and you're not self-absorbed, our entire culture encourages 
self-absorption. I mean, think about it. We, we post stuff on, on social media. We, we, we hope that people will like it. And when we don't, we go, oh, man, what if I need another filter? Or what if I have a better hashtag? Or what if I say something wittier, then more people will like it? We, we get caught up in that. We are all self-absorbed, self-centered. Imagine if you put as much energy and as much desire in, into loving Jesus as we do into loving ourselves. Think about how that would transform. And, and, and we see the ultimate example, of course, in it is, is in the death of Jesus. I mean, Jesus comes and he dies on the cross for us. That's even what he says when he talks about being crucified or, or as, as he discusses this, he, he knows what's happening. I, I find it interesting of what we have chosen to be the symbol of Christianity. It's, it's up behind me, the big cross. And to us, it means hope. To us, it means uh, eternal life. To us, it means transformation. But just a few thousand years ago, it meant death and dishonor. I mean, it, it is, it, it, I've said this before, but think about this, is that crucifixion spurned its own word. The word that we use in English, excruciating, actually means of the cross because they couldn't, they, they couldn't find a word to describe how painful death on the cross was, so they just made one up. And, and, and we use that as the symbol, but I think so many times we miss the point of the cross. And we, we forget how central the cross is to Christianity. Guys, I would say that it is the most important part of Christianity. Apart from the cross, apart from the death and the resurrection of Jesus, that is it. That is the most important thing there is. So how do we so the first way we respond to it is we emulate it. We emulate the death of Jesus by dying to ourselves that we might love him, serve him, and follow him more. And we do that in practical ways. We 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 point people to Jesus. We, we give up things. We, we, we follow him. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, this is a good segue into this. Um, our, our church has um, chosen to adopt a single mom. Um, when I'm not going to give too many details. Um, and her kids. And we went out and Christmas shop for them. And, and, and the church can afford to do that. But here's the thing is I'm going to ask you to do is that a, over and above your normal offering, would you be willing to give to help out with that? You know, and, and we ask that a, 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 over and above because it, it is a sacrifice. It, it is our way to, to, to give over and above what, what we can do. And there's going to be more, some more things that we're going to ask you guys to do um, about that as we go. But that's one of the things that we that I think in a tangible way we can give of ourselves I mean, you know, many of us stop and get coffee on our way to work. Or, I mean, could you imagine if we took those dollar, couple dollars we spent every day and used them for something else? I mean, there was that. I mean, some of us, we, we saw on Facebook, or if you're on the, in, in a, there's a group chat floating around. Anyways, um, there was a homeless guy who somebody donated their money to buy him boots. Or went over and above thinking about that. What if we all began and said, hey, listen, uh, maybe I don't need a $5 coffee today. Maybe I can use that to further God's kingdom. Maybe I can use that money to do this. Or, hey, maybe I'm going to put my phone down a little bit earlier and I'm going I'm to pray for my loved ones and I'm going to 
care about them. Or maybe I'm going to turn the TV off and I'm going to open my Bible up some more that I might spend some time with Jesus and grow closer to him. See, there are some very practical, hands-on ways that we can do these things. And I, and I, and I hear the pushback already. But Eric, I use that time to relax. I use that time to rest. Our ultimate rest is in Christ. So the question is, are we using these things to support us, to prop us up, to rest in them in the way that we should be resting in Jesus? I mean, realistically, all of those things, you, you have a bad day, the first thing we should do is not go home and, 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 and open up our, our favorite snack and sit on the couch and, and zone out and watch TV. No, the thing we should do is we should go to the Lord and we should seek him in prayer. We should seek him in the word. We should, we should seek to find our rest in him and not in other things. I'll share one of the things that, that, the, that I was convicted on um, is uh, I, uh, when, when I was uh, younger uh, and in the Navy still, I uh, oftentimes um, would self-medicate. Those of you guys who are not in the, indus- in, in, in the industry, I would drink like a fish in order to feel better about my life. Um, and um, actually, I had to talk to somebody about this a couple weeks ago. And, and you kind of begin, you know, I don't do it anymore, but you can talk about it. And you're like, oh my gosh, that was, that was pretty over the top there. Eric. That, was, that, was, that was pretty bad. So now, I don't hide the fact that I have an occasional drink. And, um, my rule, my personal rule, I'm not saying you should adopt this, but my personal rule is if I've had a rough day I, I, or if I'm in a bad mood, I refuse to have a drink. Because that way, it's not, it's not a coping mechanism. I only have a drink if I'm celebrating with my friends or out to dinner with Sarah. Why? Because it's, 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 it's a celebratory thing. It's a, hey, listen, you know, uh, life's good. Thank, thank you, God, for this. Thank you, God, for uh, what I'm doing. Why? Because it prevents me from using it as a crutch. Now, I'm not saying I don't pick other things in life, but that's just one in particular that, I, that I've done. So, so I, I think it's ideas that we, that we, we look at coping with issues and problems as we pursue Christ and not the things of this world. Uh, if, if, listen, ladies, and guys too, but I feel like this tends to be a ladies thing. If, if you're posting pictures, seeking validation, you're, you're shooting a moving target. It's fleeting. Your validation is in Jesus. If you're a, if you're a follower of Christ, your validation is in the fact that you are a daughter of the Most High God. Guys, the same way if, if we, we, when we seek validation in anything else. So just remember that. So what do we do? We emulate it. We deny and we, and we, we die to ourselves. The second one is we are to be drawn by it. We are to be drawn by it. I don't want to steal too much of my thunder because I'm going to preach on this passage again um, next summer. Um, Yes, yes, I know what I'm preaching on next summer. Like, that's, that's actually a thing. Um, we get to the, in, in John, it says, If I am lifted up, I will draw men to myself. Listen, I'm going to tell you, growing up in, not growing up, but being in youth group in high school, I've heard this phrase, sadly I've used this phrase incorrectly, is that if, it's if we worship Jesus strong enough, then people will just be drawn to him. Well, let's, let's, let's work on our hermeneutics. Those of you guys who don't know what that word means, you must be new. But um, let me define it for you. It's, it's the science of studying Scripture properly and in its context. So listen to what Jesus says. He says, oh, I just lost my place. 
I hate when it, oh, there we go. The hours come that the Son of Man must be, whoever hates his life, whoever loses. And he says, that he, he, t- he says that he does so, and I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. Oh, that sounds right. But look what he says in verse 33. He said this to show by what kind of death he was going to die. So it's not if we worship Jesus enough, he draws people to himself. Though I would argue that worshiping Jesus is a powerful tool and a powerful witness. Let me pause for a second here. I think sometimes as believers, we get this weird idea that if visitors come and they see us truly worshiping and, and singing and, and raising our hands and doing these things, that they'll come in and they'll be weirded out and they're not going to anything to do with Jesus and they're going to run out the back door. I, I would say that's completely false. I would say the most powerful witness that we can have when people visit is to truly worship God. Think about it. You've ever been to a concert when people are seeing their favorite band? They, they do the same thing. Man, people are closing their eyes and singing along. But yet when we come to church, we're like, oh, we better not, we better not do that. People are going to think it. People are going to think it's weird. No, that's not the case. I think one of the most powerful things we can do is truly worship God with all of our heart. And, and, and so I'm not saying that, 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 that worshiping Jesus is not a powerful witness that, people, that, that God uses to, to, for people to come to Christ. I'm not saying that. I'm saying in this passage, he's not saying that's what happens. He's not saying, if you lift me up, people get... No, no, no. He's saying that through my death on the cross, I will draw people to myself. Through my death on the cross. There is no single event in human history that is more important or more impactful than the death and the resurrection of Jesus. Don't believe me? How do we track dates? I know they've changed it to before Common Era and Common Era, but still, what's the marker? The life of Christ. Even people who deny him don't change that. They just change the wording. It doesn't change what it really is. We still use the, the, the life of Jesus as the marker of history. It is the most important thing. Listen, no serious historian rejects the existence of, of Jesus and his, and his crucifixion. No serious historian rejects that, even attempts to reject it. It is a well-known historic fact. It's what we do with it that, that changes us. He, he talks about um, when he's lifted up, it, you know, it's just kind of the same thing, is that we're to be drawn to it, much similar to, to what we just talked about. We're, we're, we're drawn to Jesus, and we emulate him, and we, we die to him. And I think about this. I think about some of the things that Jesus has said um, to his disciples. When he calls his first disciples, what does he do? He says, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. In Luke 19, he says, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. And then he gets to the end of his life. We, we see the end of Matthew, Matthew 28, going to all the world, making disciples of all nations, baptizing them. And then we get to Acts 1.8, and what does he say? He says, go to Jerusalem, Judea, to the ends of the earth. So, so, we, so we see something that Jesus has done. I think too many times is that people have one proof text of this and made it mean something it doesn't mean. But number two, have used it and, and have avoided evangelism and avoided sharing the gospel because they go, if we just lift Jesus up, 
people are just going to come in the door. It's like, I, I always joke about it. It's um, one of my favorite movies, um, Field of Dreams. It's, uh, it's a Field of Dreams mentality. If we build it, they will come. If we just do something cool enough, people will come in the doors. Guys, that's not the case. We don't live in a culture where going to church is the norm. We don't live in a culture where people wake up on one Sunday morning and go, you know what, I should go to church. People go to church for two reasons, in my experience. Number one, because somebody invites them. There's a, you know there's a statistic that says 80% of people would, would consider or would go to church if a friend invited them? 80% of people would be open to the idea of coming to church if they were simply invited. Now, this is important. Don't invite your friends who go to a Bible-preaching church. That's not the goal. We're not trying to get other people from other churches. That's, that's one of the things you hear people, oh, man, I know somebody who'd like our church. They go to church down there. So let them just go to their church. That's cool. Jesus had become fishers of men, not swappers of aquariums. <laughs> I mean, that'd be like, it'd be like if you went to a fish tank and dropped, and dropped your reel in. You're not fishing. You're not fishing. You're catching what's already been caught. Oh, we invite people who are far from Jesus. And we say, hey, come check out my church. Come check out my church. Come check out my church. And then they get tired. And then we feel like we're, we're tired of saying it. Guys, let me, it, it, as somebody who talks for a living, let me, let me explain something to you. About the time that you're tired of saying it is about the time people actually start to hear it. I, I, I'm dead serious. Like, about the time you're tired of saying Whatever it is, like when I'm, especially when I'm sharing the vision or I'm doing this kind of thing, when I'm about, when I'm tired of saying it is literally when people are starting to be like, oh yeah, um, don't believe me, go teach school somewhere. Like it's, you will learn that very, very quickly. So we, we invite people to come worship us, with us to see that. But that's not the point. That, that's not evangelism. That's just inviting people to church. We should also be sharing the gospel. What does that mean? It means we're talking to people about this right here. Remember, we even made these for you guys. You guys don't remember these? Right? It's our invite card. It tells you when service is. tells you our website. It doesn't have a phone number. But um, if you flip on the back, remember? It's John 3.16. So you can tell people about Jesus. You can share the gospel with people as you invite them to church. I'm not saying be all weird about it and force conversations that don't exist, but I'm saying look for opportunities. It's weird. If you begin asking God to give you opportunities to share the gospel, you know what happens? Opportunities to share the gospel just fall in your lap, and it's ones you can't miss. So we have these in the back. Take them with you. Hey, man, we, here, you have a conversation with somebody? I mean, come on, especially if you work in the, anywhere near in the professional world, handing a business card is literally like the least intrusive, most common thing that we all do. Here, let me give you a card, right? I mean, that, that's the thing. So, so we, we have to do this. Guys, if we truly believe this, our God is a missionary God. He is the one who sends people to the ends of the earth. There's a young man, I think I might have already talked about this, but it's still important. There's a young man who died taking the gospel to people on a beach, affirmative people who didn't want him there. And man, you know, listen, this, the news media, non-believers, they rip him. Cool, you, you should expect that. Here's the thing that gets me, are the Christians 
who have an issue with that. Oh, he's invading their culture. What if he takes them germs? What if he does? What if they die from germs? What, you know, I mean, think about it. You, you guys know like 75% of the people who died in the New World when the Europeans came was from disease. So that's always the fear. Why should we care about that more than we care about the eternity of people who've never heard the gospel? Guys, if we truly believe the Bible, then there's nothing more important than taking the gospel to people who've never heard. There's nothing more important than risking your life to do so. Think about this. A couple months ago, that dude who, who, who was in, in Europe climbs the side of the building like Spider-Man to save a three-year-old. And he is trumpeted as a hero. But yet a guy who's concerned about the eternity of people who've never heard is made fun of. And made fun of by the, by the very people who should be behind him. The idea is that I think one of the things that we've done is that we've allowed a poor kind of social justice and a social to, to creep into the church. Why do I say that? I mean, I know I've woo, push button, right? I mean, I, I know I went right after it today. Social justice apart from the gospel is a waste of time. I'm going to say that again. I'm going to look right in the camera and say it. Social justice apart from the gospel is a waste of time of time in the church. Guys, what is our mission as the church? Is to take the gospel to all people everywhere. If we don't do things deemed social justice to look for an opportunity to share the gospel, you're wasting your time. You're wasting your energy. You're wasting your money. There are plenty of other places that provide services and actually do it better than we do as the church. We have one thing that nobody else has. No government organization, no nonprofit, anything. We have the gospel of Jesus. That is our primary mission. And I think that so many times uh, the enemy does what he does best is he takes a good thing and he distracts us with it. I mean, think about this. If you, if you, I mean, and maybe, and maybe you guys aren't into this stuff and you really could care less. But if you look at what's going on in the church, the debate comes over what do we do, social, all this kind of, and, and what happens is we get caught up in it. That's, as part of our charge from Christ, we love people as they reflect his image. Do we love the poor? Yes. Do we love the downtrodden? Yes. Do we care about them? Yes. But I don't really care if someone has a full belly compared to where they're going to spend their eternity. One is temporary, one is eternal. And if we care more about the temporary than we care about the eternal, then guys, what are we doing here? We're wasting our time, we're wasting our resources, we're wasting everything that the Lord has given us, we waste. That's not... Our goal, our goal is that if we do things, it is that we might share the love of Christ with people. And that needs to be our motivation for all things that we do. That we might have the opportunity that we might share the gospel with them. And, and my, my issue with this 
is it's just what Jesus is saying, is that we're more worried about people's temporary comfort in life than we are about the eternity. I was, I was listening to a guy say this, and he, and he, he really kind of stole my thoughts on it. But he was talking about how in his community there's a lot of poor who, who, who don't um, necessarily have access to food or, or some of those things. And he said, so we use this as an opportunity to share the gospel. He said, if you go to Scotland, they have amazing programs for people who are, who, who, who are poor, who are homeless, who, who, who go without. He's like, so as a church there, it would seem pointless to try to feed, to feed the hungry or feed the poor because they're already taken care of. So instead you find, find another avenue to do things. And I, I, just, I think that's I think that's, that's just an amazing idea of, of to think about it. So, guys, we as a church need to think about, we need to look at our community and say, what are the things that our community needs that we might minister to that we have an opportunity to share the gospel? Well, I'll answer that question for you. We already have one of them. It starts in January. We're starting a recovery ministry on Monday nights. Because let's, let's be honest, we all know that's a huge problem in our community. If you're... If you're, if you're curious about that. Um, Charlestown, in our one square mile, has the highest rate of fatal opioid overdose in the state of Massachusetts. In the state. I, I wrote a paper on this. Um, we're actually, if you compare us to the rest of Boston, you'd think, oh, we're probably a hair. No, we're 22% higher than the rest of Boston. And to a population of 10,000 people, 12,000 people, that's really impactful. I'm going to tell you, if you begin talking to people and you can begin to know people in this community, you're not going to connect with somebody who hasn't been affected by it. You're just not. Everybody's affected by it. Even if it's not them personally, it's they have a friend, a cousin, a neighbor, a son, a daughter, a mother, a father. Everybody's affected by it. So we're going to do that as an opportunity to, to share with this community. But that's not the end of it. We do that. Why? That we might share Jesus with people. It's not a bait and switch. We're, we're very open about it. It's a Christ-centered recovery ministry. We're, we're glad you to come, but understand we're going to talk about Jesus because that's what's important. So, so we're not going to look up, uh, past the, the, the eternal for the temporary. How else do we respond? We respond by we believe in it. Look what he says here. While you have the light, believe in the light that you may become sons of light. We believe in Christ that we may become children of God. Light's a common theme throughout the Gospel of John. Common theme, right? And he talks about time and time and time and time again. Why does he do it? He even says it. He says, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you may have life in his name. Guys, that's the whole point of this entire book of John that we're that we're working through is that we might believe in Jesus, that we might have life in his name. Guys, listen, a, a life apart from Christ is a poor shadow of what really is to come. It, 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 it is a poor shadow of it. So we say all this, but what happens? Well, people still reject Jesus. Here's a, This is the thing that gets me. Well, I mean, look at the paragraphs. If you back up to uh, verse 28, it says, Then a voice from heaven, I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. The crowd stood there and heard it and said that it had thundered. So there's people who hear this voice, who have seen what Jesus has done, 
And then look at the end of verse 42, 42 to 43. Nevertheless, many, even of the authorities, believed in him, but for fear of the Pharisees, they did not confess it, so that they would not be put out of the synagogue. For they love the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. It goes all the way back to self-denial. Do we love the glory? Do we love the adulation? Do we love what comes from knowing, from people knowing who we are and thinking we're a big deal? More than we love Jesus. All those people who you're concerned about, whose opinions matter so deeply to you. How many of them would die for you? Would your phone give its life for you? Would your hobby? Would your bank account? No. Not one of those things would give its life. I mean, obviously, some of them are inanimate and can't give their lives for you, but not a single thing would choose to die for you would purchase you with their own blood. I love it. John Piper says this in, in, in one of his uh, many things. He's one of my favorite pastors. He says, um, God looked at you and said that I want him in my family so much, I'm going to buy him with the blood of my son. Think about that for a second. Think about the position that, that the Bible tells us we're in prior to knowing Jesus, is that we are enemies of God. So, so God, in his infinite love, chose to sacrifice the life of his son that he might redeem his enemies, the people who hate and curse him. Paul says, rarely would someone die for a righteous man, but Jesus died for the unrighteous. So many people say it, if I could just see miracles like in the Bible, if I could just see some of these things happen, then I'd believe. No, they wouldn't. Because people who saw it happen didn't believe. The issue is, it reveals the true condition of our hearts apart from Jesus. Is that we want nothing more than what we want. And the issue is, when we as Christians continue to live that way. I'm not saying that you're going to be perfect. I'm not saying that you're going to walk out of here and, and not sin and not be selfish. But you know what? Here's the thing. It's about the trajectory. It's about the direction of our lives. If we can't look back two years ago, six months ago, five years ago and say, man, I am in a different direction. God has done much in my life that I am moving closer to being like him than I was a short time ago. I, I would say that we're doing it wrong. I would say if there's anything that we place is more importance of spending time with God, spending time in our Bible, spending time in prayer, spending time with the people of God, then, then we've got our priorities screwed up. Do you notice I said anything? Anything? Even the good things. Even people we love, people we care about, if they come between us and our relationship with God, we're wrong place a burden on them they can't bear so how do we respond well I, I, my, I shared how we respond we emulate Jesus we we're drawn to it we believe in him and hopefully that we don't 
reject him. I once heard a, uh, a professor and a pastor say that a sermon's not a sermon unless you call for a response at the end. I'd agree. Um, uh, the, pur- the purpose of preaching is to persuade. Um, and, and, and so I, I'd, be, I'd be remiss not to do that. Let me ask you a question this morning. Wherever you're at, where are you at in your relationship with Christ? What do you need to do that you might begin down that road that you are following him more and more? Maybe you need to begin a relationship with Christ this morning. Maybe you've never truly placed your faith in Jesus that he would save you from your sin. Well, then maybe you need to do that this morning. Maybe you have done that and you've never told anybody. You've never, you've never been public about it. Um, maybe you need to be baptized. It's a little hard to see it. I know the tree's in the way. Um, trees move, it's fine. Um, maybe you've never been baptized. Maybe you need to be more connected uh, to a body of believers. Obviously, our hope is that you would come and be connected here at First Church. However, you know, find a Bible-preaching church that you can connect, that you can be involved, that you can serve and follow Jesus. And maybe you, God's placed something in your heart where you need to serve or a ministry to do. I know I was talking to somebody the other day, and um, there was an idea to, be, to begin trying to minister to homeless veterans. Um, and, and maybe God's placed that in your heart. I would just simply say, step out in faith. Do what it is that God has called you to do. And, 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 and I know, you know I, there's all the excuses coming to your head. Well, man, um, I'm, I'm not going to... I can't do that. I'm, I'm not good enough for that. I, somebody shared a phrase with me once that I love, is that God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. Think about it. Read the Bible. Not one of those guys was ready for what God had him to do. Not one of them. But he sends them on their way, and he transforms them. So listen, if, if God's working in you, that, that, that's the case. Um, uh, well, I don't have t- time. I don't have the energy. Listen, we find time. We find energy for the things that we love to do, that we desire to do. Right? So, so, so if that's the case, then, then we'll find, you'll find it. If, 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 if God is placed in your heart and that's what you, we desire, we, we will find the time to do it if we want to. But, but I would be remiss to not challenge you and not to tell you um, if God is... Place something in your heart, directed you, you ought to do it. You have to do it. Because ultimately, remember what, our life does not belong to us. And that that truthfully, God has created you to be, to do you specifically in a way that he will use you, whether it's your your strengths, your weaknesses, your, your desires, that he will uniquely use you in his kingdom, in his church. That, that, that he might do a big work in you. And maybe you're here this morning, you're already involved in ministry, and you're doing things, and you're like, oh, I don't understand. Understand this is that God is, 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 is more interested in what he's doing through you in the ministry that he has you than, than he is in the results. He is, in the, he is transforming and changing and molding and shaping you as you serve him. So, so wherever you are this morning, I would just challenge you to really see what the next step you need to take in your relationship with Jesus is and do so. So in a second here, we're going to pray. Sam and I will be in the back. If you, have, if you need to talk to somebody, if you need somebody to pray with you, if you have questions, grab one of us. Um, and, and we're happy to, to, to have that conversation with you. Um, let's, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you so much that we can be here this morning. Thank you as we read your word, as we look into it, we see that you 
gave your life for us. That we might love you, serve you, and know you. God, I pray that as, as whatever is going on in our hearts this morning, Lord, whether, we are pe- whether there are people who are far from you this morning, whether there are people who have known you for years, or wh- whatever is going on in our hearts, God, that you would prompt us, that you would give us the courage to respond to you today and to respond in obedience, to do what it is that you have, that you have directed us to do. And Lord, for, for people who may not know what that is, God, I pray that you would you would give them the courage to, to seek wisdom, to seek people to help lead them, guide them, direct them this morning. Fathers, we look in your word and we see that you, that Jesus gave his life for us. God, let us be people who respond by desiring to be like him, by being drawn to the cross, uh, to the Savior who died on it and by believing in him this morning. Jesus, thank you for this time that we have. Thank you as we look towards Christmas, we might be reminded by what you've done. Lord, we love you. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Um, In the back, we do have the offering. Um, Once again, if you want to give um, above and beyond um, to this family, just mark it on your envelope. Um, or you can, you can text it in. Um, 